you know, growing up in a world where you're just kind of told to accept that period pain is part of it and there isn't really a solution. And I think what we're trying to do is figure out a way that we can reimagine period care to be more hopeful about what that solution and experience can be. Hi, visionaries. Welcome back to our ninth episode of season one. Nine episodes. Wow. Thank you all for joining me on this amazing journey. I hope you continue to get inspired and enlightened through this podcast series. This will be the second to last episode of season one. Next episode, the finale, I'll be doing a solo episode, so make sure to stay tuned for that. So for today's episode, we're featuring Nadia Okamoto. Nadia's bio at age 22 is the stuff of lofty childhood daydreams. A once homeless teen in Portland, she founded an internationally known nonprofit at 16, authored a highly regarded book, and will soon graduate from Harvard. In early 2020, Nadia co founded August, a lifestyle brand working to reimagine periods. And at 16, she was the founder of Period.org, an organization fighting to end period poverty and stigma. She's been recognized on the list of Forbes 30 Under 30, Bloomberg 50 Wants to Watch, and People Magazine's Women Changing the World, just to name a few. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode, so let's kick things off. I just wanted to touch on how has last year been for you? I know it was a super challenging year, but you actually were able to, you know, start August, which is a lifestyle brand working to reimagine periods. So can you talk about that experience and and, and how that idea of August came about? Well, yeah, so uh, we started our August uh, really putting together early 2020. And, you know, it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time, just from working in the period space and trying to advocate for, you know, trying to democratize access to period products in a way that uh, was also about like better period care in general. And so I think just from spending, you know, six years really in the period space um, on the advocacy side, Um, I was always kind of in the area of looking at gaps, right, both in what the products were, um, what the period care experience was, how periods are talked about. And so, yeah, that was kind of the inspiration for wanting to make a more sustainable, ethical and impactful period brand that was really geared towards Gen Z. And we haven't launched product yet. We're kind of still in the stages of, um, you know, figuring out our footing uh, and uh, raising capital, too. Gotcha. Okay, so now let's backtrack. So you're starting August, and a lot of that experience is stemmed from, you know, starting period.org, which you founded, which you co-founded at 16 years old. At that point in your life, you know, your family was facing a lot of financial and housing instability, and you experienced legal homelessness. So can you talk to me about some of the conversations you had with homeless people and their struggles while, you know, going through menstruation, and how that led to you actually coming up with this idea of of period.org? Yeah, I mean, for me, I had never thought about period poverty before. It was really after having these conversations um, rather regularly, you know, with people who are experiencing homelessness and hearing their stories of using things like toilet paper and socks and brown paper grocery bags and even cardboard to take care of their periods. And um, it was just, I think, one of those injustices you hear about and then you just can't stop thinking about. And that's kind of what it's been for me over the last several years. Just to reflect, you know, you were 16 years old at the time and you're going through so many things of your own, you know, housing issues, 
mental health you know there's a lot of things and you also had a lot of trauma so what really allowed you and I know that you have such an incredible work ethic but there are so many challenges you face at the time you know with Vincent your co-founder to really get things going with period but you mentioned how you literally pitched to every and anybody do you think that was a catalyst for your growth or what do you attribute the most um, the highest factor for really being a great catalyst? I think it was really just having an incredible team and also kind of, you know, being able to have access to things like social media to really mobilize and, uh, you know, connect with people who were maybe nowhere in my area, but might be interested too. Right. I know. I see you're like really big on TikTok, which is great. Oh, I'm like not big on TikTok at all. No, I mean, as in like, you do really great things on it. It's gonna, yeah, I, I look at a lot of your videos. Oh, thank you. No, I feel like I'm always trying to learn a little bit more about it. It's confusing. I've tried to make a video and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if this is coming out right. But it's such a great platform in terms of spreading awareness. And I definitely think it's going to continue to grow. So it's great to see you sort of exploring all the new forms of social media too. Trying. (laughs) you're doing a great job so going off of that I really wanted to ask you you know what advice you have for people who may want to follow in your footsteps and want to start off something um, but don't necessarily have you know that expertise or capital or just uh, that confidence to take some of these steps that you were able to take to grow Um, I would just say, you know, one, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that's so much of what has helped me get to where I am is like every day I'm like, wow, I don't really know what I'm doing. Let me go find answers or surround myself with people who really challenge me and bring expertise to the table, others, team members, as mentors, as board members. And I think being able to really build that network around you is, um, is really, really pivotal. And not every question you may ask may have that right answer, but it's just the process process of asking it. So do you have any funny stories of like an experience where you're pitching something to someone or asking a question and it was sort of an awkward moment, but it was a great learning lesson that you could share? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's always felt a little bit awkward when I ask, uh, well, not awkward anymore, but when I was starting, like any time, period. I remember pitching to my own high school, like the whole community and people giggling when I said the word period. And, And so I think that that's something I had to get over really, really, really fast. And so by getting over that, you just meant learning just not to give a fuck, essentially, just saying yep. what you have to yep. say. <laughs> yep. It can be hard, though, because you are talking about such a sensitive topic to some people, which should not be a sensitive topic at all. And it's it's sort of like breaking that bar and then also getting people to respect what you're talking about. Now it's a lot different. But, you know, at that point in time when you're 16, it, it, it was a, it was a huge problem, I assume. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's also just like, you know, 16 is this time when you're feeling kind of um you know nervous and and unsure of yourself and figuring out your own you know your own uh identity and yeah for sure We're going to spice things up a little bit, take a little break, and do a rapid fire round. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, so what is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Uh, wash my face. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? I I just think blue cheese is really strange, and I cannot yeah. eat it. 
looks like the worst treats ever. When I see it on like a charcut, I can never say it properly charcuterie yeah. board. I'm like, why is why is there blue cheese? Cannot on? eat it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what's one place you'd like to visit but haven't yet? Greece. What's your biggest pet peeve? I really don't like when. I just don't like waiting in really long lines. <laughs> so I suffer from PCOS and I was listening to some of your TED Talks and I know you talk about endometriosis and how it's not really um, rightly treated and and even in the job place when you try to ask you know for time off people just don't really understand what you have to go through facing a lot of these things that are related to having a period and going off of that you also touched on the fact that in 2014 more than 40 states in the U.S. had a sales tax on tampons and pads but Viagra was considered an essential good so is that still a statistic to this day and how has period and also just your movement to ending period poverty and bringing more awareness to periods sort of change yeah I mean now it's 30 states in the U.S. and there's progress around taking down things like the tampon tax around the world and I mean it's it's just been really inspiring to see um you know kind of this growing community of people passionate about menstrual equity coming and I've just been so inspired by it um and I you know I think that of course there's so much progress that has been made around destigmatizing conversations around periods and period pain, but um, and it, that's kind of been you know less of my main focus. I've always been more on the accessibility side, um, but I do think you know from from especially the conversations I'm having with August, like period pain is something that you know close to 100% of our um, community feels right or experiences, and it's something where I think that there's always this sort of feeling of uh, confusion and lack of support of like have you know growing up in a world where you're just kind of told to accept that period pain is part of it and there isn't really a solution and I think what we're trying to do is figure out a way that we can reimagine period care to be more hopeful about what that solution and experience can be absolutely Switching gears back onto the work that you're doing, I wanted to touch on your podcast. So, you know, in, in a description of your podcast, you said it's unedited and a rather unfiltered reflection of where you find yourself right now, feeling everything and nothing at all. Can you tell me something about your story or your journey that most people don't ask that you've shared or plan to share on your podcast? I mean, I've been getting asked a lot about like talking about my experience dating amidst mental health and work stuff. And so I think that that's something I never really get asked about that I'm excited to talk more about. I'm just kind of figuring out the best pathway to do so. I feel like this is such a relatable topic is like dating and just life in general during the pandemic. What are some of like the learning lessons or what are the biggest learning lessons that you've had um, personally with just like living through 2020 into obviously this new year? Um, I would say just learning how to like take downtime has been like a huge uh, learning process. Yeah, because you're a workaholic. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, for me too, it's difficult. And I think it's worse now because you never really have that ability to turn off because work is so close. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I think that that's been, that's definitely been like the, the biggest challenge. Yeah. And I also think, you know, with all the different projects you're working on, it's pretty tough, but how have you really been able to establish that? Just like setting a time every day to be like, okay, I'm turning off my laptop now and taking a break. Cause that's something I also feel like I need to learn. Well, I don't think I've learned that yet, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I think I, when it hits midnight, I just kind of, that that's when I really kind of push to, okay, I'm going to fuck to sleep. Yeah, no, same. But do you watch any, like, how do you actually like decompress? Or is it just like you go to bed? Because for me, it's like, I have to watch a show or like just do something to sort of like get my mind out of that space, you know? Yeah, lately I've been watching some TV, like before I go to bed, which has definitely, which actually has, yeah, been helpful. Yeah, for me, it's like reality TV, any trash reality TV, I just watch and like that just like, I don't know, it's just like a fun thing. You're like, okay, I don't have to think about this anymore. No, I I totally get that. (laughs) Okay, so I wanted to also touch on the amount of amazing campaigns and, and just recognition you've gotten so far. So you've been the face of an Adidas shoe campaign. You've also been recognized on the list of Forbes 30 and the 30, Bloomberg 50 wants to watch and People Magazine's Women Changing the World. So beyond these accolades, you know, I always ask my guests, what does success really embody for you? For me, success is just feeling really in integrity with what I'm doing and feeling like whatever I'm doing is leading to some higher purpose of, you know, really focusing on trying to end period poverty or um, serve the cause of gender equality in in any way. Yeah, and you've always had this mission. And 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 like I said, it's it's really interesting when I ask this to just see, you know, that a lot of people on the outside listening may be like, oh wow, Nadia's success may be, you know, reaching this school or getting recognized for this. But a lot of the times, a lot of people that I interview say it's more just feeling that they're doing something that's making a difference. And that's so great that you're able to share that and acknowledge that because I think we know, especially this generation, there's so much of social media to compare yourself to. And it's always just, you need to do something for yourself, not everyone else. Um, Also just going to be in a hamster wheel of just work, you know? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And before we wrap a couple more questions I wanted to ask you. What are some of the exciting projects that you have underway? And can you share any sneak peeks of anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about uh, Tigris, my podcast. And I'll just say, like, Tigris truly is unedited. I basically get on randomly. I speak. And then 15 minutes later, I post it. Like, I don't edit it. I don't listen to it. I just kind of put it out there. And then I would say, um, uh, in terms of other things, like, I... Um, you know, with August, I'm really, really excited, uh, kind of gearing up for product launch and everything. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Okay, great. And then in terms of, you know, just branding for yourself, you do so much. I mean, you have your YouTube channel, you have your TikTok, your Instagram, and you're very active. Would you consider that like a passion project? Or how do you suggest for people to utilize social media to grow a business or to grow a brand? Because like you said in the beginning with period, social media was really a big factor in helping, you know, to gain um, to gain support and to gain acknowledgement for what you're working on. So what's your advice on that? Because it can be really scary sometimes to just share stuff, especially with like TikTok. I don't know. There's a there's a huge cancel culture, I think, that we live in right now. And so it, it can be an in- intimidating thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say like from a social media perspective, it's just really important. And I think I'm still learning this to 
recognize that social media can be a great tool, but at the end of the day, you need to be doing it one for the right reasons. And I also think um, making sure that when you post, it's it's more for you and having a release or um, uh, you know wanting to share something with the world, not just like in anticipation of how people are going to react. And I think that where you can get really emotionally hurt is when you are doing it for those reactions because they won't always be there and they won't always be what you like for sure. And I think um, you being ready for that feedback is, is a huge part of it, 100%. Yeah. I mean, even for me, I used to be so insecure about so many different things. And it's like, when you finally actually just do things for yourself. And like you said, and I, I actually really love how with the podcast too, you just do it and then you send it out. Um, because then it, for me, sometimes when I'm doing this, I'm like, I'm so nitpicky about the littlest things. Whereas maybe just doing it unfiltered and just letting people listen to it and let, getting that point of view of that may just be the best route. You know, like sometimes I think we overthink so much and we don't need to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that's something that I'm learning every day. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the episode and and thank you for fitting me into your schedule. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. This was so lovely. Of course. And thank you so much for having me. Well, visionaries, thanks for listening to another episode. Before we close, I wanted to remind you that our finale, our 10th episode, will be coming up next, so you'll have to stay tuned, and that's a solo episode with just me. In the meantime, if you haven't yet, you can click the link in the description to listen to previous episodes, and you can follow me on Instagram at rwalkonxx for more info. If you have any questions or comments, or if you'd just like to say hi, you can DM me on Instagram or email connectforward at the email linked in the description. I look forward to seeing you next time and hope you enjoyed this episode. Lots of love, Rebecca.